Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 537 of the JV Club with my fantastic guest, Sarah Bunting. Sarah is, oh boy, uh, a writer, a blogger, a bookstore owner, a podcaster. She is totally awesome and just very, very cool. Um, I first met her through Toby Ball's uh, Deep Dive Book Club. Uh, Shout out to the crime writers and um, just have been chasing her ever since. So I'm really glad we had a chance to speak. And I know you'll enjoy this episode. I do have a little bit of a cold in it. So I don't know, I guess if you don't like the sound of someone who might be a little bit sick, that's a little bit of a trigger warning. (laughs) I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, I will talk to you next week, everybody. I've I never this is the first I don't know what am I what am I doing welcome to the podcast I don't think I've ever done that in my life ever the podcast (laughs) starts like sort of in the middle of a conversation and for some reason again maybe because I have a cold and I'm gonna have brain fog um, I felt like now is the right time to just come up with uh, an impromptu welcoming to the show I mean I'm happy to be a pioneer (laughs) in that regard <laughs> and are. also hello thank you so much for having me on i am excited and honored <sighs> to be here uh, i am excited and honored as well i'm going to go ahead and just very quickly off the cuff ask you like when you say pioneer what i need to warn you is that if you had to go to a mormon church as a child the word pioneer has this very lofty association that I've never been able to shed like I can't not hear you know when someone says pioneer I understand that like there's pioneers in all fields and pioneers weren't just Mormons who were occasionally killing other white people and Indians to get where Mm -hmm. they needed to go right but it is it's that they really indoctrinate you early very early in the process of because I you know didn't stay in the church after I could immediately leave when my, you know, when, <laughs> right. I, when I right. left home, and 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 so, but that stuff is just in there. It's in there. Well, and there's certain words I just like to unthank religion and cults yeah. for ruining so many words. Because I was sitting here thinking, okay, well, let's just come up with a synonym like vanguard, and then I was like, well, fuck, oh, because Keith Rainier ruined that one for everybody. He so, really did. Yeah, he ruined a lot of things. I mean, volleyball was kind of bogey anyway, but if you were a volleyball enjoyer, not anymore. He it, ruined late it. Na- middle of the night volleyball enjoyer. Oh, it yeah. was specific enough that you can you can have your volleyball during the day and it doesn't have to be tainted. Right. But if you're a if you're a wake right. someone up in the middle of the night so they're confused and scared and then you make them play volleyball with you, yeah, he might have yeah. ruined that. I mean, what a niche thing to ruin, too. <laughs> Very much. God. Very much. Uh, okay. If you, because you you obviously have a, a very strong passion, but also intellect that you point in the direction of true crime <laughs> and uh, have a, a wonderful newsletter and um, a bookstore and are just kind of a, a fantastic, erudite, true crime resource. Gosh, thank you. I, I'm going to add, I mean, listen, you're so welcome. And everything I said was true. Um, 
when when we talk about cults, like, is there a type of cult that you stumble across that you're like, I mean, of course, everyone thinks they're not, you know, that they wouldn't be susceptible. But is there some but if but if we are trying to break past that, empathize and understand that it it could happen to anyone because everyone thinks that is there a type of cult that you have come across even like, I mean, this is the maybe the most likely if I were going to get sucked in. Um, I don't know. I think it's more, I think as I get older, uh, like each successive cult that I learn about, I'm like more, um, empathetic to the people who have fallen prey. Um, some of them, like, I, I just sort of never understand, like, um, Heaven's Gate, I think was the one where they all voluntarily elected to live testicle free or however they wanted to put it. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I don't, you know, as you get older, first of all, you see, like, I was also raised in a church, not the Mormon church, but and, you know, my church was very sort of like post hippie, um, United Church of Christ, a lot of lapsed Catholics and families who came in jeans situation. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were not about that, but we were there every Sunday. And it was also a Baptist charter. So like people can't believe there were Baptists in New Jersey. There were a bunch. I'm one of them. Uh (laughs) Full immersion, baby. But um, the ways that all communities have of talking to each other and amongst each other, there is a special like Argo that makes you feel like you belong. And I think the difference between a cult and a congregation or a community, like that line is a lot finer than I think we want to think about in a sort of day-to-day way. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's more, it's not so much like certain cults being a little more um, like bunting forward <laughs> than others, but like... <laughs> Me getting older and being like, I get it. And especially cults that seem to, that have like famous people sort of in the B-roll of the documentary, uh-huh. right? They, like I married an actor, reader, I married him. And um, like I, I have much more empathy i guess for like the full um spectrum of actor bullshit like i'm very <laughs> it's like just such a fondness that yeah. uh, it's like uh, james legros stalking onto the set in um <laughs> kicking and screaming i guess being like chad can i talk to you for a moment and like all of a sudden he has an accident and an eye patch and steve buscemi's like oh my god like, I just, especially watching some of this um, Nexium footage and, like, the more that you learn about Scientology, it's like, you know, this is cynical targeting, I'm sure, but at the same time, like, you look at someone like Juliet Lewis, who I think is perhaps emotionally frail, and you're just like, I understand why that works, and I don't judge you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but like sometimes I look at these like midnight volleyball sessions in <laughs> Nexium documentaries and I'm like that's where that's where you lose me. Like if I have to right. feign athleticism for some sort of <laughs> self-improvement, you like there need to be birds audible uh-huh. outside. We're not doing this. 
<laughs> Does that uh, mean that you were not into sports as a teenager, or is that something that's evolved? I, I mean, I played sports, but I was not especially good at them. Like my lack of coordination is legendary, and it was sort of like early high school when doctors finally figured out, like, I just have no inner ear fluid at all on one side. Ah, okay. So, so you would think I would be like a kind of a bumblebee, like with only one wing, just like, like <laughs> listing to port all the time. And I kind of uh-huh. am. There is, there yeah. are like a lot of unexplained bruises that it's just like, you know. Dude agree and I also had problems with my ears as a kid and Mm -hmm. I feel like I still do but every time I go to get my ears checked they're like yeah you have a little bit less hearing in one ear but uh, but they're I don't they're not seeing anything as they stick the little thing in but um, I I get like super off balance easily and I'm covered in bruises for just bonking into stuff that I suspect someone with better balance would have no problem with it all yeah I mean, certainly in college, like I, you know, drink brown liquor. So there's that balance problem <laughs> as well. But like I will sometimes like if the barometric pressure is not in <laughs> ever in yeah. my favor, it seems like I'm day drinking and it's like, no, no such luck. Just just like a, you know, a bike that has not been parked correctly. Like if I'm in motion, <laughs> I could stay up. But just standing there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has it ever, it hasn't ever got sort of tipped into like, like vertigo. I it, hope. It did. When I was a kid, I missed a lot of school. Like I did almost fail the eighth grade um, because hmm. I had just missed like a month of school. And that's when they finally figured out, A, this was okay. an issue. And B, it was kind of happening with less severity. Um at around the same time every spring and like I'm sitting I'm at home from school in the den at my parents house and there's like a blooming forsythia right next to the open window and it was like why do I still feel terrible even laying down on the couch finally like I don't know how someone figured this out but it was like all right well if this is a like basically it's your sinuses that are broken uh-huh. Um, so why does this keep happening to lesser or greater extents every like April? Oh, right. <laughs> Gave me a like s- superpower decongestant and I was yeah. back at school the next Monday. I wasn't super happy about it that it was like, well, all right, fine. But on the other hand, do you want to do eighth grade again? No, Ugh, you don't. Yeah. So let's just, let's just do this and get yeah. it done. And I did. I got it. I got to tell you, the times that I miss school for longer periods, um, especially when you're a kid and even a teenager, like time is just, uh, you just it's just different. And uh, we all know this. And mm-hmm. um, like having strep throat and being gone for like a week yeah. felt like a year. And I remember feeling like I went on this journey of like being super excited to be home and then mm-hmm. kind of getting bored and wanting to go back, but then still being too sick and not being able to. And by the time all of those up and downs led to me needing to go back, I really was like, but I've changed. And all the people yeah. I know at school have changed. It's going to be like I'm going to a new school. This is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Especially. So like, a month. I mean, you know. Yeah. I was, I think I had just turned the the eighth grade year. I would have just turned 13. Um, that spring and I already skipped a grade 
I mean, like a way earlier grade, but still, like I was very sort of sensitive about like where I was in relation to my peers in terms of like relative age. And, you know, meanwhile, I was almost the height I am now, which is 5'10", and I already had boobs and had gotten my period. So it was like my sort of like sense of my place in the galaxy of an all-girls school eighth grade Uh was already like, I mean, talk about sort of spiritual vertigo. Um, Yeah. And then to have missed nearly a month of school, it was, I mean, it was a lot. And then I like lost a bunch of weight and, but in like 13 year old time, especially before the internet, it was like whole, like geologic eras yes. had come and gone. Yes. And everybody is speaking in this language that I don't understand because there were like dramas that came and went and tore through and I just was not part of them because I was home watching monkeys reruns on MTV Uh because that's how old I am. Not the original monkeys old. I watched monkeys reruns. I definitely watched monkeys reruns. Um, Okay. And so was your uh, high school also all girls? This is in Jersey. We've established. Yes. New Jersey's largest non-sectarian school for girls and young women. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. How was that? Um, I guess you don't have anything to compare it to in terms of like going to school with boys during uh, high Yeah, school, I but... went there K through 12, um, but technically not. They would call it a lifer, but technically no, because I skipped over second grade. Um, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, I understood the rationale for a lot of like a lot of the young women that I went to school with were like painfully shy or needed more... Um, like a smaller class size. The schools where I grew up were pretty good, but um, I think I was recruited to this school. Okay. Uh, I don't know the exact timeline. I guess I could ask my dad, but um, yeah, I was like, you know, some teacher saw me like reading aloud from a book when I was like three. And I was like, uh-huh. huh. Uh, never quite got a handle on the math that I missed in second grade, (laughs) but you know, like I muddled along, I did okay. But yeah, the, um, the no boys part of it, uh, I don't know. Like if I had it to do again, I don't know if I would do it. Like if I had been like, this is miserable and I hate the school, my parents would have let me transfer, like do, do something else. But it wasn't really, I always sort of felt like wherever I go, there I am. And I'm going to be a hundred percent the yes. problem. And I had a yes. brother. So I would get home and like, there was boy energy in the house that would mm-hmm. sort of take the edge off. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it was like, it does oh, make sense. yes. Fart noises. That's uh-huh. where I'm a Viking. <laughs> yeah. If you're if the example of having teenage boys in your daily life is your own brother, then I don't know that that would incentivize anyone very much. Yeah, it might do exactly. quite the opposite. Yeah. yeah. When you when you skipped second grade, did you test out of it? Or was your first grade teacher like, guys, I, let's bring it in for a scrum here. I don't think Sarah needs second grade. Like, I think I you can just ship her off to third grade. Think, I think the situation was that um, I had been sent ahead to read like for reading time with the grade ahead for Uh always. And then it was like two grades ahead 
And then, and they wouldn't do it this way now. Now you're in like a gifted and talented program or you have like, I don't know how they do it, but socially it's not considered useful to skip someone a whole grade or two grades. Right. But at the end of first grade, I think there was a meeting of the teachers in the primary school, which is up until fourth grade. And it was like, all right, well, she can read at like the high school level and she'll figure the math out because everyone's smart equally in all different uh-huh. areas, which not true. And it turns <laughs> out my first day of second or my first day of third grade, the teacher, oh my God, she just had this like hatchet face and was super mean. And I, I learned later she was the only teacher who didn't want me to skip. She thought that I was just like a, a mess, which was true. Ew. But, but then that's who you got saddled with? She comes in in her whatever, like, uh, diagonal plaid wrap skirt, because it was 1980. <laughs> and she's like, hi, my name is Name. Um, and uh, I was born on, ha- my birthday is Halloween. That means I'm a witch. And then she just oh. stood there. And behind me, the girl who always cried started crying. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, this was a huge mistake. Like, <laughs> But, you know, my parents left it up to me <laughs> in theory, but they made it clear they yeah. thought I should do it. So sure, I was seven and seven-year-olds are super neurotic and want to be told everything's going to be okay. I thought this yeah. was the path to that. Sure. And there I am <laughs> in this. I mean, I can still, I can picture <gasps> the light. Witch. I can picture my friend who I'm still friends with. Uh, Marin sitting next to me and she just sort of like put her hand on my leg and she was like I mean (laughs) welcome to the NFL rook (laughs) (laughs) oh my god brutal I think that teacher is still alive too too mean to die I'm sure she has yeah she has (laughs) she has special special lifelong powers that yeah continue I mean her you know as we record this her her special day of Evil yeah, portal lurking. opening is coming up. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, there it is. There she... God. Well, I have a surprise for you. Miss Blah Blah. Um, <laughs> Wonderfuls. If you're like me, this is the time of year where... Sometimes things get so busy or crazy or celebratory that I don't necessarily eat as well or as healthily as I should. But this year, I'm so lucky because I have Factor. That's right, friends. This holiday season, fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Let me give you some deets. You will be choosing from over 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. Looking for special occasion meals during the holidays? Go ahead and level up with gourmet plus options. Prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Enjoy premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. And when you're too busy running around to plan lunch, Factor has you covered with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Now, I have sung the praises of Factor 
Trader's wonderful ready-to-eat meals uh, in the past. One of the things I love so much about them is they're so flavorful and so healthy, but they're reasonable portions and they're not salty. Somehow they figured out how to have just the right amount of spices without oversaturating the salt side, which definitely can be a problem with some prepared meals. Not factor. So, Wonderfuls, head to factormeals.com slash jvclub50 and use code jvclub50 to get 50% off. That's code jvclub50 at factormeals.com slash jvclub50 to get 50% off. If my math checks out, that's half off. Thanks, Factor. Okay, and so by the time you get to high school, uh... I also I skipped kindergarten um, and uh, I'm also 510 so a lot of this <laughs> rings true mm-hmm. um, but by the time you got so by the time you got to high school um, did you feel like you had sort of acclimated to that I mean you did say that there was always a sort of sense of kind of where do I fit in this universe of hormones and stuff but um, what was your high school experience like in terms of like the friends that you had and kind of what you were into when you weren't at school Eh, I mean, I think some people had it worse, but I also, I think between the skipping a grade and just being kind of uh, high strung is the Mm. phrase that my grandmother would use. And, you know, she was high strung as hell also, (laughs) but (laughs) she, the way she would put it, which always made me roll my eyes was like, you know, don't be so high strung, like it was a choice. And like anyone would choose to feel beset by the world the way I always felt every second. So uh, high school, I mean, high school was okay. In terms of the age difference, it you know, parts of it were exacerbated because like everybody's trooping off to driver's ed and I was still too young to even take the test in our state. So there was like little things like that and like getting ready to vote in an election, like that stuff. But also like, first of all, I had gone to this school always. So socially, I did not really know any boys except from church And like any boys that I did know, I was like half a head taller than them, at least. Um, I knew really a lot about baseball and had absolutely nowhere to go with that 90% of the time, except like reading the sports section with my dad and complaining about the Mets. And any boy who like had an opinion about the you know, about baseball. And then I just like a gust of information would be released and flatten this individual. (laughs) So like I, the age difference among my peers was not that was not like the sort of catalyzing problem, I guess when Mm -hmm. I was in high school, but there was a lot of other, there was a lot of other shit going on, basically, like, you know, anxiety disorder that I wasn't dealing with. And because it was yeah. the 80s, like, it just it snowballed to this insane degree before I even felt like I could sit my parents down and be like, I don't know what my problem is, but y- you got to find me someone with a counseling yeah. degree, yeah. which they did, and it all worked out. But I did, I did just feel kind of like 
possibly there had been some day of instruction or unit in second grade or in eighth grade when I wasn't there or when I had chicken pox in fifth grade or whatever it was that was like, here is how you talk to people, you strange (laughs) girl who isn't really allowed to watch TV and knows more about, and like, not just like current present day baseball either. Like I read all my grandpa's baseball books So I knew all this shit about like the dead ball era, like no one cares, but I I had all this knowledge and I had never made out with a boy. So I was like, well, here's the only way that I know how to relate to you. Sure. Weird. I mean, there's something about that that, you know, for sure. But we know, I mean, that is a trope, right? This idea of someone like a cute girl that you can also talk to about baseball. I, I, I mean... I get that, you know, but I do like the way that you are selling it even to me is like, I incidentally had this information. It doesn't sound like it was like a like a passion. It just sounds like it was like those were the books and they were there and I read them and then I had this information. But were you was the enthusiasm there then? I. Yeah, I mean, the first baseball game I ever went to, it was like, I'm going to say it was the summer before seventh grade or eighth grade. I mean, I remember the exact date. It was September 21st, 1985. Um, Dwight Gooden, a great pitcher at that time, uh, was pitching that day. And I don't know how my dad got these tickets. I mean, he was a Wall Street guy. I assume that's how. They were pretty good seats. I was 12. I was wearing an inappropriately large amount of eyeshadow and was not interested (laughs) in family fun and brought a library book into Shea Stadium like a real cool, good time person. So (laughs) Dwight Gooden comes up to bat and, you know, he's a pitcher. So they're not known for their batting prowess. He was also like 19 years old at this time. Wow. He hits his first major league home run. As a pitcher, in my memory, he hit it so hard that it was flat on one side, and it is still traveling like the ball in the natural, <laughs> like into the um, into helioshock. Yeah. Yes, I have since found footage of it on YouTube. It just barely got over the left field wall. <laughs> Bless his heart. But I'm sitting there. I sort of like have a thumb in my book, and I'm eating a hot dog and not really paying attention. And as this ball is leaving the park, 55,000 people lost their fucking shit. And I was like, I just was like, like joy. Yeah. Noisy joy that you could feel in your bone marrow. And I was like, what is this? This seems rad. Yeah. So by the time we get in the car to go home, I'm like peppering my dad with all these questions. And he's like, well, I have a whole shelf of books. And like the season was almost over. So I had the whole winter to read up on like the, you know, the Fireside Baseball Companion, which is full of like country songs about dudes (laughs) named Deacon. Like, okay. Like there was a whole chapter about Christy Mathewson, war hero. Like who cares about this stuff? Uh, And I also suffered from insomnia, which a lot of these books were like they were to treat. (laughs) Oh my God. That like that one Ty Cobb book. I should have just thrown it in the garbage along with Ty Cobb. But uh, Uh yeah, no, I I legitimately (laughs) 
loved it and still do. Everyone, as we're recording this, the World Series is about to start. Everyone's like, oh, my God, you know, Arizona versus Texas Rangers. Who cares? Like, I'll watch any baseball. Like, yeah, minor league baseball, uh, the fake games that little kids play at the Field of Dreams <laughs> field. Sure. Uh-huh. Whatever you uh-huh. want. But it was a... Um, and now that's like sort of normal, but the number of times as a teenage person and up through college that I would just sort of not even thinking, make some observation about baseball. And then it was like record scratch. And I'm like, guys, they're breasts, <laughs> not a brain tumor. I'm allowed to care about something besides figure skating. Sigh. Yeah, that's that's a. Uh... That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to think if there was anything. I mean, I. Did you did you have a relationship with your dad where like your dad was cool and like the stuff that your dad liked was cool also? So even though you were the the eyeshadowed kid with a library <laughs> book going to the stadium, there's still something kind of um, like seeping in anyway. That's like, I mean, my dad is cool. Like that is cool that we have these seats. Or was it just really a truly like I will not like anything that this person likes, and then begrudgingly- oh yeah, no, that yeah. was I mean my resistance to liking something that a parent liked would absolutely a hundred percent have been focused on my mom, and yeah. so Same. that relationship was definitely uh, and my mom, you know, may she rest. My mom was super difficult, but part of that was because we were a lot alike, and she also was like rad and cool in a lot of ways, but like mother daughter shit is what it is. Like it is real. Um, It was not a like peaceful, it was loving, but not peaceful relationship. But my dad is like the evenest keel in the sea. Um, I'm the oldest and the only girl. So there was all of that working in my favor. And he, you know, he's not without flaw, but, being able to like that was kind of our whole relationship at that time because mm-hmm. he had not had sisters. He was born in 1942, like to this day, after a half century of knowing me and being my parent. If I am in tears, still does not know what to do. Like if yeah. <laughs> if it's not a diaper change or feed it situation. <laughs> He's like, eh. and like my niece too. He's still like, she'll be upset about something. And, you know, my sister-in-law and I are like sort of engaged with it. And he's just like, he's like looking for tongs of some kind. So it's like, oh, Dixie, you're like, why are you like this? Well, he's in his 80s. That's why. Yeah. He's like this. Yeah. But that, um, having that like channel of communication where it's like there's two newspapers on the table first thing in the morning yeah and I read the mess column on one and hand it to him and then we trade and it's like morning Sam morning Ralph and then Uh he'd go to work I'd go to school (laughs) um filled with thoughts of loathing directed at Matt's management and uh yeah so we had we were able to um have a relationship through this team, which as frustrating as it ever was, I think it did that for a lot of parents and teenagers yeah. is like sports. At least we could talk about that and agree. Yeah. Yeah. Is Were you doing anything at school that was sort of like, you know, a step up from I'm going to school to, to 
to be at school to get through school? Were you like in a theater department or, you know, editing in the newspaper or the yearbook or anything like that? It will probably not surprise you to learn that I was a literary magazine person. And I also oh. wrote the, um, there was a pseudonymous column in the newspaper uh, that I wrote that I was like tapped to write. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of poetry. Yeah. A lot of poetry. Uh for what it was, it wasn't too bad. Like I wrote, that was my thesis in university was my poems. <laughs> so and like every now and then it's like, if you think you're, if you think you're like hot shit, just go back uh-huh. and read some literature that you wrote when you were 20. And um, just everybody, <laughs> everybody uh-huh. just don't get above your raisin. Is, is what I would say. <laughs> but it's, I mean, some of it is really horribly embarrassing, but a lot of it is okay. And it's like, all right, I had to do this. And now we're going to think about something else. But yeah, yeah, I wasn't a huge, um, not huge into extracurriculars. I did some theater, not a ton. I played JV sports, not especially well, but I, you know, I tried to, you know, not bring dishonor to the... Kent Place Lady Dragons uh, on the tennis team. Mm -hmm. I think the photo I submitted to you was from freshman year, and I'm pretty sure that, oh, no, that was the next year. Sorry. There was one school picture where I forgot it was picture day and had to borrow a sweater from somebody Mm because I had my field hockey uniform on. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty cute. Real, it was real waspy sometimes. Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, school. I liked school because I liked. I mean, I liked reading and I liked history and still do. Yeah, but it wasn't until way at the end that it was like cool to like school or to look like you were trying or yeah to look like you weren't trying. Like, especially with girls, there's a lot of weird um just look serene and cross your legs at the ankle and don't act like you want anything out of life Mm -hmm. and that was still I mean that was still um like kind of a prevailing uh wind at at the school at that time that it was still sort of trying to emerge into the later part of the 20th century (laughs) and not have quite so much focus on like typing class and Mm -hmm. mm mm-hmm I mean, typing class was great. Thank God they gave me typing class because that got me a lot of jobs (laughs) after college. But yeah, I was going to say, yeah, some of that stuff that feels like an eye roll ends up being like, well, I guess I did really uh, benefit from that. Yeah, Yeah. got me a union Uh, job. Amen. Got you a union job. Mm -hmm. Uh, And were you a music person? Were you a teenager who was like, these these songs understand me? I was just talking to a colleague the other day about how... In my journal, which was cleverly a, um, it's like a spiral notebook with the word diary keep out on the front Uh in my handwriting, which did, did nothing to keep my mother out of it. Um, Oh, your mom. Okay. I didn't know if you were saying your brother. I thought I had hidden it. I hadn't. Uh, Um, 
I would write, uh, I would like be complaining about whatever, usually, usually her. I'm so sorry, Barb. And um, then I would put, I would have top 40 on and I would just put whatever music was on in the margins. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think I still have this astounding document somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Because, wow, the late 80s are just a really weird time musically. I mean, I guess they all are. Um, But I wasn't like... I wasn't exposed to like, quote, cool music, really, until I got to university. And I was also, I had been taking piano lessons for approximately ever. Uh huh. And uh, I don't know if they had this where you grew up, but they had like a state medal rating where like you would all go to this like high school in the exact center of the state and you had these... um things that you had to play in front of an examiner and then they would give you a medal rating so like pass and then bronze silver gold yeah and uh I wasn't especially good at the at the piano like I really had to work at it and I had a new piano teacher who understood that in order to get the best out of me he had to be like I don't think you can do this I don't think you're good enough I don't think your hands <laughs> you're are one of are big those enough. people and I was like oh, knuckle I always crack, wonder like, who those All people right, are Dr. Hopper we'll uh-huh. just see you and Schumann <laughs> are gonna kiss my ass and um <laughs> I think he he actually did like he heard my um examination and was like wow, you actually did it. Like, it was the best anyone ever played that Schumann, and I got a gold medal, and then I, like, took the sheet into my parents and was like, I am never going to play the piano better than I did today. <laughs> Permission to quit. And they were both like, granted. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, all right. That was my so music out, experience. But, like, yeah. pop music, I wasn't really... I was a pretty sheltered, like fearful kid who was not like sneaking out to go to concerts or anything like that. So yeah. I was sort of like, whatever was on, I would listen to. And I didn't do a whole lot of um, exploring of that scene on mm-hmm. my own until university when it was like just much more of a focus for people, I think. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. I'm Jordan Cruciola, host of Feeling Seen, where we start by asking our guests just one question. What movie character made you feel seen? I knew exactly what it was. Clementine from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Joy Wang slash Jabutupaki. That one question launches amazing conversations about their lives, the movies they love, and about the past, present, and future of entertainment. Roy in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I worry about what this might say about me, but I've brought Tracy Flick in the film Election. So if you like movies, diverse perspectives, and great conversations, check us out. Oof, this is real. New episodes of Feeling Seen drop every week on MaximumFun.org. Oh my gosh, hi, it's me, Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture game show Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play a whole host of games, like one where I describe a show using a limerick, and our guests have to figure out what it is. Let's do one right now. What show am I talking about? This podcast has game after game, and brilliant guests who come play you. The host is named Dave. It could be your fave. So try it. Life won't be the same. Uh, a Big Business starring Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. Close, but no. Oh, 
Is it Troubled Waters, the pop culture quiz show with all your favorite comedians? Yes, Troubled Waters is the answer to this question and all of my life's problems. Now, legally, we actually can't guarantee that, but you can find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to get into this MASH game with you. Um, Okay. And I am very much looking forward to your answers. Uh, oh, God. You know okay. you're just going to give me three of each. And um, in the end, we'll find out what this alternate universe that we're, we're building for you is going to look like. Um, Excellent. I am going to start with, uh, I mean, let's let's just deal with some baseball right off the top. Let me get from you three teams or eras. I mean, I guess teams in a certain era that you would love to be able to sort of be in the ballpark and enjoy watch. It could be a specific game or it could be a specific season or it could just be like, you know, a Gosh. year of the Mets or whatever. Well, let's go with uh, let's go with the 1969 world champion Mets. And Great. gosh, I would like to have been there for the 55 Dodgers season. Great. And uh, also just that one game from 1951, the the Giants win the pennant game, Giants-Dodgers. So mostly I'd like to just go, I'd like to be in Ebbets Field at some point. Like they just tore it down and put like just apartment buildings there. It does seem like there should be some kind of something. Yeah. There's like a little plaque. On the yeah. side of the, like it's next to a door. Like, all right. <laughs> when we move on, we move on is what, is what we're discovering. Um, okay, next category. Let's do three places in the world that you would like to have another home if we could sort of just teleport you there. Oh, gosh. Uh, Luca in Italy. I've been there once and it was 30 years ago and I didn't get to spend enough time there. Uh, where else? Um there's a place in like northern Nebraska. It's called Lewis and Clark Lake. There's mm. like an abandoned ski area there. An old friend of mine is from that area, and it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. I love it. That I could not have foreseen. <laughs> and uh, wonderful. Gosh, where else? Uh, Philadelphia. Great. Next category, three foods that in this alternate world, uh, there are zero ramifications to the earth, to animals, to anything. It's all sort of engineered beautifully, and uh, there's zero ramifications to you or anyone when you have them as much as you want. Snap of your fingers. Oh, God. I don't eat meat anymore. I, I can't. Um, but the I don't miss, like, good Meat, like nice uh-huh. steak. I miss like <laughs> garbage time. Like they yep. bring back the buffalo chicken kickers, and I'm like, hmm. my husband's like, why are you like this? Uh, so, with all that in mind, my mother really made a good meatloaf. I didn't understand Great. as a kid why everybody shat up meatloaf all the time. Yeah. So I'm gonna say, my mother's meatloaf. Great. Um, my mother's roast chicken was really was really fucking something. Wonderful. And oh my God. What what else? I mean, I'm pretty like given my advancing age, I'm pr- I'm I just kind of eat 
what I want, I kind of figure like, well, because yeah. I don't eat meat anymore, I'm ahead on carbon credits, right? So I'll just sure. st- stick a fork in this angel food cake. Lunch. <laughs> so, but yeah, we are starting to, um, we are starting to get into that, like, too much dairy is a problem. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say just a wheel of cashel blue cheese. There you go. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And a spoon. And maybe, a spoon. maybe I'll use a spoon. Maybe I'll just <laughs> plunge into it face first. Oh, fabulous. Fabulous. Okay. Next one. All due respect to your wonderful partner in MASH, we do introduce <laughs> some alternate universe romance. This can be anyone from a book, from a cartoon, any era, any age, three people that you want to have some romance or sexy times with. Hmm. Um, the guy from the bear, not the actual bear, but um, mm-hmm. his cousin. And oh my like God, this actor is him. like, it's not Eben the actor, Moss it's Backrack. this character. Yes. What is yeah. the character's name? Richie. I can't remember. Oh, Richie, Richie from yeah. the bear. Great. Ah, uh, gosh. I mean, I know this is sort of cheating, but my husband is enough older than me and was on a soap like back in the day before we knew each other. So is it... Is it like messing up the algorithm to say the 80s soap opera villain version of my husband? Cause no, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I mean, in one episode, they had him in a leather suit. <laughs> I just, I'll be in my bunk. Okay, I'm back. Oh, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Every now and then I find wow. it on YouTube and I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my god this is yeah no this is good this is if this breaks the algorithm it was worth it because mm-hmm. that's an amazing that's an amazing concept and answer um okay and then who's number three it really is i mean as long as you keep it on mute because the dialogue they were giving him was really bad oh, um oh my god all right th- this is insane but i appreciate that um I feel safe enough to go really insane with these answers. Oh, but I'm so glad. I believe it's Michael Barrymore who was in The Lady Vanishes, the Hitchcock okay. movie. Mm-hmm. I was like just insomniac dialing past Turner Classic Movies one night and that was on and I was like, who is that? Okay. I don't know if I've seen The Lady Vanishes now that I'm thinking about it. I gotta rectify that ASAP. Mm, yeah, um, like, let me know what you think. I mean, okay. you're welcome in advance, possibly, but uh-huh. on the plus side, like back then, he, you know, he'd get in and out of these movies in 80 minutes. So, sure, sure. Local I know. Movement. I mean, I, I, it's weird. I mean, I feel like I've seen a bunch of Hitchcock, and I certainly know the Lady Vanishes. But then when I really tried to conjure this actor, I was like, I can't think of anything about this movie other was than knowing that the one title. Of the ones that he made twice, he made it once in Britain <clears throat> and then once. Oh, could he, be. He like remade it here and like rope was sort of like the dividing yeah. line. It's possible. I'm gonna yeah. have to brush up on my Hitchcock. I mean, also um, older Jimmy Stewart is like I know. Fan. What a dream. Mm-hmm. Ugh, what a dream. So tall. Okay. Too. Uh it's very tall. Mm-hmm. They often aren't. Okay, next category I would like to get from you three uh i I'm going to potentially give you're gonna end up with one but three first edition edition signed copies of a book um and it's dedicated to you how i mean living or dead whatever you want dedicated to me gosh 
Uh, well, let's start with F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Crack Up. Great. I think that's actually his best writing. Wonderful. Uh, I mean, here's the problem with asking a bookseller this. It's like you, there's what you're supposed to say and there's what you could flip for a nice profit. And then yeah, there's like, well, that's what why I kind I of actually... was like, what would you want to hold on to? Right. What would but I actually... you know what? If you want to add it, listen, I'm not going to. I don't want to inhibit you. If you want to think about it in terms of what you could turn for a nice profit, bring it on. What do I care? Mm. If that would make you happy, it's your mash game, you know? Yeah. But I don't think, I mean, things come into the shop all the time that I'm like, I almost don't want to let it, yeah. to let it back out into the world. Um, one that I don't think I would um, let back out into the world is uh, Edith Wharton's House of Mirth. Um, oh, wonderful. I have, I already have like... <laughs> five editions of that none of them is anything Amazing. close to a close to a first or signed but um yeah that would be fantastic Great. and uh i think i'm gonna go with stephen king's bachman books and he can sign it however he wants i would like a little inscription um that tells me what the end of the long walk is supposed to mean great because I great, need great, great, to great. stop late night Googling blog discussions of this. Yeah. I just need to be yeah, I was going to ask if he'd on. ever like definitively answered it, but it sounds I like he definitely he didn't. I think he may have. Like occasionally the Wikipedia entry is like, well, he said this, but who knows what that's supposed to mean. And he's like, well, sure. every time he's like, it's whatever you think it means. Like, look, <laughs> David Chase, you, like you two get your story straight and tell us what they yeah. are. Yes. Yes. Uh, next one, let's do three uh, films that you can jump into. You're not reliving the plot. You're just in the place, and and you, it's giving you that feeling that that movie gives you when you watch it, that environment, that oh, setting. Wow. All the President's Men. Great. Just, I mean, <laughs> it, it probably smells terrible in that movie. Like, I think, <laughs> I think Woodward has a line where he's like, is there anywhere you don't smoke? It, Bernstein's like, yeah. what? We're in an elevator. It's fine. <laughs> so that one and uh, God, what is the name of that movie? With it was made by Terrence Malick, and it was like the the first one with Sam Shepard, where he was like so young that he had no pores. Why oh, can't God. I pull this name? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's not uh, Badlands. Yes. It's the next one. It's not. Well, that's the problem. Is all I can think of is Badlands. Yeah. Shit. Days of Heaven? Yes, that's the one. Days of Heaven, yeah. I forgot Richard Gere was in that for some reason. Oh, God, yeah. Talk about young. I don't have to watch that again. Okay, all right, great. Days of Heaven, beautiful. And, uh, um, I mean, I could, like, walk out my front door to hang a left and kind of be in Saturday Night Feverville, but I don't know if Great. I really want that. That shit's pretty uh-huh. dark. So I'm yep, going to yep. say, uh, I'm going to say Goodfellas. <laughs> Much lighter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Great, great, great. In Italian, um, it sounds much nicer. <laughs> okay, next category, three true crime mysteries that you are going to definitively give us answers for. Oh, my God. The whole world will benefit. D.B. Cooper's skeleton. Where, where you is? Great. What exactly happened on the Lindbergh estate and how much... 
did Hauptmann have to do with it? Great. Because I think he did something, but I don't think he did everything. Great. And, um, oh, um, th- I mean, this is sort of a local thing, but uh, it happened right before I was born and like two miles from the hospital I was born in. So uh, her name's Jeanette De Palma. Mm-hmm. She was found in an abandoned quarry in Springfield, New Jersey. Um, every time there's an update in the case, it's because some asshole left a bunch of Blair Witch twigs near the site where her uh-huh. remains were found and oh, then Jesus. calls the state oh, troopers God. like Ugh. dicks. And then in the 80s, it was like, well, it was Satan. Like, it's of course, just never Satan. Satan is so uh-huh. much better writers than you guys give credit for. Come on. So those are my three. Great. Those are beautiful. Okay. Uh, And then final category, let's do um, alternate universe uh, careers that you get to try in. And we're just going to assume it's the highlights. Mm -hmm. No career is perfect, but these are going to be the joyfuls. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess I could still do this, but who has the time? I Mm -hmm. think I would have been a pretty good lawyer. Like, I think I could write it and sell it. Great learning all those like 16th century tort laws i'm not sure but so <laughs> lawyer um equestrian dressage oh wonderful because i i like horses i'm a horse girl and great. uh seamstress let's say great wonderful okay um uh, give me a number between one and eight two I'm going to use that uh, number to come up with what can only be described as a very scientific uh, result. Oh, yes. This 100% guaranteed MASH future. While I do this, would you mind telling people uh, where they can find you, um, about the bookshop, anything you would like people to know about and um, almost said succumb to? (laughs) (laughs) My brain fog came back right at the end. What would you like people to succumb to, Sarah? If you would like to fall under my spell. (laughs) <laughs> come to the baritone uh i have a whole bunch of podcasts but if you'd like to hear me talk more about tv i do that at extra hot great if you'd like to hear me talk specifically about late i was going to say later melrose but it really is end stage melrose uh we're uh-huh. on season seven right now at again with this and we're going on to dawson's creek which is what started it all Oh. And uh, I also have a pop music podcast with the great Mark Blankenship, and that's called Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. On the true crime side, I can be found at bestevidence.fyi. That's our week daily newsletter, uh, me and the great Eve Beatty. And the bookshop is called Exhibit B Books, because my last name spart- starts with a B, but mostly it's secondhand books, and that's what's up there. It's all true crime. Uh, we have a new soap in stock called Clean Getaway. There's some artwork on it about Uh-oh, Baby Cooper. It's I made by it. Seattle Sundries. It's good. It smells nice. That's wonderful. All of that, exhibitbbooks.com. And that's also where I am on socials, exhibitbbooks. So. Wonderful. Uh, you Listen, you gave me two, the number two. So that was extremely easy for me. <laughs> Um, and uh, I'm pretty excited about what's going on here. I think you're going to be very wait. happy with it. I can't it. wait to hear so I can plan. So you can start absolutely planning. Uh, first of all, it just came up, but you absolutely do know where the skeleton of D.B. Cooper is. Oh, so great. Pretty amazing. Where is it going to be? Is there? Is it going to be surrounded by bags of cash? 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, could happen. Could happen. Uh, so you we have you have answered that question for the ages. We all thank you profusely for that. Um, you have a wonderful mansion Ooh. up at Lewis and Clark Lake. Oh yes, in Nebraska. Love it. Which I'm imagining, if it's a mansion up in Nebraska, you could have like the biggest like castle anyone's ever seen, and it would be like what a house yeah. in New York costs. So yeah, probably um, a so, mansion. Uh, is a, yeah, is a I mansion. chose. I chose well, number wise. You chose there. very well. You chose very well. Uh, you can also uh, watch the '69 Mets at their best, doing their Great. thing whenever you want. You can jump into Days of Heaven, so I'm glad we figured out what the name was. Yeah, all whenever of this is you want. in Nebraska, like it's right next door to the Field uh, listen, of Dreams, too. Let me so tell this is you, all great. you and your it's we don't have to set it. I mean, this is your other home, so you can be where you are now mm-hmm. or be in in Nebraska, and, and any of this can be taking place. Uh, but you're right, Days of Heaven, exactly. Um, that what's more Nebraska than your mom's meatloaf? Even though you weren't living in Nebraska, I still felt like I needed to say that because meatloaf seems like a good food for Nebraska. It was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty Nebraskan. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm saving the what I consider to be the best for last. You have a signed first edition of F. Scott's The Crack Up. Oh, <laughs> fantastic! Fantastic. Light reading. Uh huh. Just a light, light reading, breezy, breezy, and. The thing that I am most excited about, I mean, look, there's a lot of dramatic stuff happening here, uh, but the idea of you working in equestrian dressage, being married to the 80s soap opera villain version of your husband, <laughs> <laughs> it really works wow. for me. Yeah. It really works for me. Uh-huh. So, that's, that's um, leather suit. oh, that was the big half of the edible shit, but <laughs> I am here for all of it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Sarah, wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, everybody, You listen, you know that uh, everyone knows I do too many things, and uh, I think you know that Sarah also does too many things. So I want you to go God, out and yes, celebrate each and every one of those because uh, she's working hard to make all of the... Uh, all of those things happen for you. So everybody check that out. And uh, thanks again, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. What a delight. Oh, MASH universe. Yeah, never, I mean, ne- never disappoints. Stop by the mansion. We got plenty of room. <laughs> I'll talk to you all next week. Uh, goodbye. Thanks for putting up with my cold. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember one We could save kittens from trees Maximum Fun A worker-owned network Of artist-owned shows Supported Directly By you